Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Amen. All right. Welcome back to One Hope this week. I'm glad you are here. Now, I read an article this week, and it had a study in this article that kind of made me sad, I'll be honest. It kind of made me sad because this particular article has one goal. This study has one goal, to see the level of happiness in a culture any given year. And as I read this, it said in 2018, the the survey said that 31% of the people identified as happy. Now, what do you think the number would be this year? What would you think the number is this year? 14. That is the number. 14% of the people in this study identified as being happy this year. The report said that this was the first time since 1972 that the number dropped below 29. So what's this tell me? Well, first it tells me that even a couple years ago when the numbers were higher, still one third of the people identified as happy. But the second thing is it shows me that people aren't doing great right now. Now, I didn't need a study to tell me that, right? I didn't need a study to see that was what was going on. And I don't know how you would respond to this study, a yes or a no. I don't know what your answer would have been. But what I do know is whether you identify with this study and the lack of happiness or not, many of the people around you, many of the people online this morning could identify with this. And that's what makes me sad. It's disturbing. And I want to talk about that this morning. I want to talk about that as we continue this fall series titled This or That. Now, if you've been part of this so far, you know we've had a little fun with this. If this is your first Sunday, whether watching or in the room, you know, uh, you won't know, but we we kind of played a game with this, this or that concept. It's a pretty simple concept. It's an online trend where people just say, hey, you have to choose between this thing or that thing. You, what do you prefer in your life? You have to make a choice. You don't get to have both. And so we have been having fun and I decided I want to continue to have fun. And so whether it is online or in this room, I want you to play along. We're going to continue to play a little this or that, okay? So this a simple raise of hands, you can write it online, is there, in this city, there are two predominant or large donut companies, yes? We've got Krispy Kreme and we've got Dunkin' Donuts, right? So who are my Krispy Kreme people? Whoa, okay. Don't be ashamed now, who are my Dunkin' Donuts people? Put your hand up, okay, okay, all right. Dunkin' Donuts, okay. Um, um, the next one would be a new story comes out. A story is made, created, written. Would you rather watch the movie or would you rather read the book? Okay, who here, you watched the movie, give me two hours, I got it, right? Okay. Who here would you rather read the book? Okay, that's good. I love seeing these things, okay? All right, third thing, you're, you're out to eat. And you've got the option. Your food can be made mild or spicy. 
Who are my mild people? Just keep it mild, okay? What about my spicy people? Okay, okay. Last one for this morning is you're on a trip, okay? I'm really interested in this. You're on a trip. And you have to make plans, or or you're going to do things, I should say. And some people want to be spontaneous, and some people want to have made a plan. Who are my spontaneous people? I just go with the flow, okay, okay. Who likes to have the plan going into it? Okay, okay, that makes sense. So the reality is we have to make choices in life, right? And not all of them are as easy as this or that. But this has been our fall series. This is what we've been looking at in Galatians chapter 5, where Paul's words are speaking to those people, but they speak to us. And his words basically are, you have to make a this or that choice. You've got to. He tells those Galatian people that Jesus came to give freedom in him. If you missed that first message, I'd love for you to go back. He, but he, in, in Galatians 5, it says, Jesus has come to give freedom, but you have a choice to make. Are you going to use that freedom that Jesus came to give to indulge yourself, to indulge the flesh, or are you going to use it to live in step with the Spirit? And this choice is drast- will drastically change how you go about life. This choice will drastically change how you experience life. This is very personal, whether you realize it or not. This is very real, whether you realize it or not. He's asking these new followers of Jesus, and now us, that if we believe the message of Jesus, that he has come to give us freedom, he has come to change our lives, he has come to transform everything, if you believe that, then you're gonna be put in the seat of making some decisions. So that's what we've been doing this fall. We've been evaluating and making some decisions on what life would look like if it's lived in the spirit versus living in the flesh. And so today I started this conversation with this study done about the research of happiness in our culture. And I told you, there's not a lot to be found. But I'm also going to tell you this morning, we're not going to talk about happiness. We're going to talk about, I'll call it an upgrade over happiness. Because the truth is, I believe when we talk about happiness, I think most people would settle for a life of happiness. That would be good enough. What I want to tell you today is we can't settle for happiness. When Paul says there's something better, Paul says there's something more. There's an upgrade waiting for you, and we all love an upgrade, don't we? You've flown before? Have you ever been bumped up to first class? It only happened to me one time. It's nice. We like the, the bump up in the, in the hotel room where they give you the nicer room. They, you like the, the upgrade when you get a new vehicle. You like the upgrade maybe when you get a new house. We all like an upgrade. I don't know if you saw this week, but there's an upgrade with the iPhone. I was looking at it this week. The iPhone 13 came out. And it's an upgrade over the old. And many people are going to buy this phone because they think this is the upgrade I need. Apple wants us to believe that this is an upgrade. But let me tell you, this phone, while I'm sure it's fantastic, you know, you know I love my technology, I love my phone, it's going to be great, whatever. This, 
though, is not the upgrade that we really need. I think we get tricked in life. What do we really need? What should we really look to upgrade in our life? And this is where Paul tells us in Galatians chapter five, here's your upgrade. The fruit of the spirit is love, which is what we talked about last week, joy. Joy, we're only in the second one. This is our root text for the fall. The fruit of the spirit is love, last week, joy. Remember, Paul is reminding us of what it looks like to live in the power to have the Holy Spirit alive, to have the Holy Spirit control, drive our lives. This is what he's saying. And what Paul says is when we make the right choices for the Holy Spirit to be the driver of our lives, to be the author of our lives, to we give over in submission, what will be produced is joy. Now, you've probably heard Joy is the upgrade over happiness before, right? This isn't a new concept. You've been told this before. I think we've heard before that happiness oftentimes is based on the circumstances that are happening in our lives. This is not a new concept for you. And so what happens is, is that happiness comes and goes. And so Paul writing to these people who are trying to figure out how Jesus works. He's like, listen, when God is at work in our lives, God is changing our lives, truly transforming, here, truly transforming, something deeper happens in us. And this is not the only time that Paul talks about joy. Galatians 5 is not the only time he talks about joy. I think you'll see it about 15, 20 times Uh, more as you look through the New Testament. One of those times is Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, a famous verse. It says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. You've heard that before? You've heard that one before? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Now, when I read this sentence, it's a simple sentence. When I read it, I can take Paul's words one or two ways. You may take Paul's words one of two ways. One may be kind of trite, uh, overly used, overly simplistic, overly positive. You could read these words from Paul and be like, Paul's kind of like a hype man or an inspirational speaker right? Where it's like they try to get you by in life with just boosting your energy, boosting your perspective. And it's like rejoice in the Lord always. And just it's like a coach that pumps you up. You may hear those words and the sentence may not really grab you because it just seems overly simplistic. Or you can take the words, as someone who knows what joy really is and where it comes from. Do you know where Paul is writing these words from? Do you know? Me bringing up, maybe remind you, where did Paul write most of his letters? From prison. From prison. Paul probably wrote wrote these words in Philippians in around 62 AD from, they think, a prison in Rome. 
and this should speak to us. You know that? This should speak to us as more than just words because joy isn't supposed to be found or spoken about from this place. You may not realize it or may not want to admit it, but most of the time we think joy is found in other places and most of those places would be places of victory, ease, comfort, abundance, positivity, Like that's where joy is supposed to be found. And then we've got Paul writing about it in prison. And I'll be honest, I actually battle with this. I actually battle with this idea. Now my lips will say that it's not true, but the reality is in my life, it's harder to find joy when things are tougher. How about you? Would you say that joy is harder to find when life is more tough? I think that's why the study I read earlier really isn't that surprising. It didn't surprise you that it was only 42%, right, I mean, uh, 14% right now, was, did it? Didn't surprise you. Because people don't feel good about life right now. People don't feel real positive about life right now. Ease is hard to find. Things aren't comfortable. And what happens is, in this moment, joy is stolen. 14%. Don't even feel happy. And then we've got this upgrade of, of joy that people are not experiencing. And this is why I don't look at Paul's words as trite or convenient or simplistic But I look at that simple sentence and it challenges me. This simple verse that I've heard many many times over my life, I look at it and it's challenging to me. Because for Paul, his words aren't just words. Have you ever met that person where they say one thing but their life doesn't add up? They say one thing, but you don't see the, the same thing in their life, how they live it out. Listen, Paul's not that guy. That's what I love about Paul. Paul's life and words have a synergy. And we see this all through Scripture. But one of the places I love to see this is in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. What we see is uh, this crazy story about Paul and this woman. We see it's Paul and this woman. She's a slave, okay? And, and, and what we see is that she's a slave to a man or a group of men because she can predict the future. What we see is she makes money for these group of men because she can kind of be a storyteller, a, a fortune teller, I'm sorry. And so Paul comes to her town one day and he's walking around, he is speaking and this woman follows him and she begins to proclaim to people who Paul is and why he's there. Now this goes on all day long. And Paul is still really human and we see his humanness because in Acts 16 it says that he gets so annoyed, isn't that the truth? He gets so annoyed that he turns around and he looks at this woman and he says, evil spirit come out of her. Crazy story. 
He casts out a demon right there in Acts chapter 16. And this moment is crazy, but it doesn't end there because the men who own this woman, they see or they hear what he has done and they get so angry. Why do they get angry? They can't make money off her anymore. She can't fortune tell anymore. Paul's cast out this evil spirit in her and now they can't use her. So what they do is they grab Paul and now and his buddy Silas is with them and they drag them to the center of town. And they begin to tell the authorities that Paul and Silas are creating uproar and they're speaking against their customs and their laws and their, their beliefs of the town. And this is what happens. Acts 16 verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Now, after they had been flogged, severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard, to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet with, in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, the story continues, but I got to stop there. The story continues, and what you'll see is there's an earthquake that happens, and the cells bust open. It's a crazy night in this prison, but I don't want to focus on the outcome. I want to stop and focus on Acts 16, verse 25. At about midnight, can I read it again? At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. And I read that sentence and I go, what in the world? I mean, put yourself in the seat of Paul and Silas right now. Would your story play out like this? You've been beaten. You've been dragged all over town. You're thrown into prison, right? In this moment... What's your posture? In this moment, how are you feeling? Maybe not be able to identify with that story, but think about your past week. Think about your past month. Think about this year, I don't know. How have you been handling things that have gone against you? Were you spending your time in prayer and worshiping God? in the middle of it? Were you living your life out the way we see Paul do it or even the way Paul talks about it earlier in Philippians 4.4? May I remind you, rejoice in the Lord always. Got a Bible, maybe we need to underline that always. You're on your phone, maybe you need to highlight that word always and I'll say it again, rejoice. It's not just the sentence that gets me. It's this one word that jumps off the page. Rejoice in the Lord always. Would that be the story of your week? Would that be the story of your life? I'll point out again about Paul. Is Paul was not just a man of words. He lived out what he said he believed. 
See, when Jesus changed Paul's life, he was truly changed. When the Holy Spirit became alive in Paul, he was truly changed. It didn't matter what Paul went through, Paul could still live out the words he spoke to the church, which was, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. The byproduct of the Spirit is joy. What God does in us is produces joy. As I'm writing this message, I'm praying through this message this week, I feel like this message this week can be so timely for somebody in this room or you may be watching online because you're not doing well. If you take, out, take off the outer shell that you show people, you're not doing well. You're angry. You have frustration. You're hurting in pain. Emotionally, you're spent and you don't know what to do about it. You've lost positivity in life. You've lost hopefulness in life. You, you're just short on strength. You don't know what to do about this. You've lost your joy. Can I offer something this morning? And it may be a little churchy. It may be a little Pastor Scott-ish too much for you this morning, but can I offer something this morning? Maybe you aren't in the best place because you have forgotten, gotten distracted, given up on where joy is experienced, where joy comes from. Maybe you've forgotten the words that Nehemiah spoke to the Israelites when life had really gone against them in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, where it says, the joy of the Lord, this is your strength. And maybe this morning you are experiencing what life feels like when you've done it in your own strength versus something that's greater than you. And maybe I'm supposed to remind you. Maybe I'm supposed to challenge you. Maybe, I'm, maybe God is looking to remind you and grab a hold of you today. He's like, look, at this is what can be done when it's done in your own strength versus what it can be done when it's done through him. Listen, since the beginning of this series, the very one, uh, the very first week, I've talked about John chapter 15. I'm hoping as we end this later in the fall, you'll be so sick of me talking about John 15. But I'm gonna warn you right now, it's gonna come up again and again and again because I think it's life-changing and I think we either underestimate it or we're not willing to lean into what Jesus says. If you remain in me, I will remain in you. Remain in me and I'll produce something different, something incredible, something you can't experience anywhere else. You will have that produced in your life. I'm going to lean into this because I think we do fall into the trap of doing life by ourselves and we forget this is why I'm miserable. Well, there's a part of John 15 that I haven't read yet. So I want to save it for today. Jesus' continued message is found. John 15, verse uh, 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. 
Now remain in my love. So, so, so as we continue, you are loved. This isn't going to an angry father remaining in him. This is you're walking into love, waiting to grab a hold of you and say, I want you with me. Verse 10, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. And verse 11 says this, I've told you this. All of John 15, I've told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. Listen, Paul and Silas are not able to rejoice and sing songs and in prayer because they are stronger than you. This story isn't about a heroic Paul and Silas. This is a story about a heroic God. Paul and Silas are not stronger than you. Paul was able to rejoice and be filled with joy even in prison because I believe his joy was made complete in Jesus. The fruit of Paul's life was joy because his life had an intense focus on who Jesus was and what he had done in his life. He intensely focused on who Jesus was and as I was going through this text this week, that's what I kinda learned from Paul. It's one simple lesson that I want to bring to you this morning as well, is I think what we see is that joy is a focus before it is a feeling. Hear me when I say joy is a focus before it is a feeling. I believe that Paul was so focused on Jesus compared to his circumstances, and this is why he was able to live in the joy of the Lord versus the hard circumstances that he was sitting in. He tapped into a joyfulness in the Lord that many of us miss because of what he was focused on. He was living out what the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 12 too, where he says, we're fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. You and I have a this or that choice of where we put our focus. And so that's the simple question for today. Where are you putting your focus? What are you looking at today? What did you look at this week? What have you been focused on this past year? You have a decision on what you focus on. It's something only you can do. Because what I've seen is that what we focus on sometimes steals our joy. And I've personally found, talking to people, I've personally found my own life is that there are three places that we can focus on that end up stealing our joy. And there's simply this. I think people lose their, their joy is when they look around, when they look behind, and then when they look forward. And you shouldn't know what this makes, what this means. I want to explain it to you. I think that people lose their joy or their joy is stolen when they look around. And what I mean by that is when we look around, what are we doing? We're comparing. 
Think about your life, how much you look around, and the moment you look around, you start comparing your life to someone else. Comparison is one of the biggest places where joy is stolen. See, when we compare, we lose focus on what Jesus has done for us. And here's just the reality of life is our blessing never looks as good as someone else's blessing. When we lose focus on what Jesus has done for us and we look at other people's lives, this comparison game destroys our joy. Our joy is stolen. That's not the only thing that happens when we look around. When we look around, we see the decisions that other people are making. And sometimes when we fixate our, 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 our fix our focus on other people's decisions, what happens to us? We start to get angry at their decisions. We start getting frustrated on their decisions. We start judging people by their decisions as we look around and see what everybody else is doing. And then in this process, joy gets stolen. And this morning, it's really simple. I just want to tell you, stop looking around and fix your eyes on what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he has done in your life. This is, will perfect your faith and will produce joy. So when we look around, our joy is stolen. But also when we look behind, our joy is stolen. Do you know, what, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we can get stuck in the past things that have happened to us or the past mistakes we have made. Our joy gets stolen. But I look at Paul's life and the joy he seems to be living in. Paul had past mistakes and Paul has an abundance of things that are done to him. But what we see is his focus was on Jesus' grace, forgiveness, the new beginning he had. And it allowed him to stop looking behind him, but allowed him to live in the moment of who Jesus was and what he's done. And so the simple question for your life, is there any chance you're stuck in what yesterday was? Stuck in what last year was? Stuck in things you've done or that have been done to you and because of this, your joy has been stolen because you can't move on from yesterday, last week, last year. You can't move on. And then the third thing is looking forward. And this one may be weird. Because some of you, you're very goal-oriented, you're very driven, and you look forward all the time. Your question is, Scott, how can looking forward be harmful to me? I would say, well, when it becomes what you are consumed by, it can become very unhealthy because sometimes we get caught, in, caught up in what we hope will be and we miss what already is. You hear me? We get caught up in what will be and we miss what already is. We get caught up so much into thinking what's next that we're missing what is now. And this is what I think God reminded me of this week is that he wants to do something today. He wants to bring joy today. He wants to change our lives today, not just tomorrow. He wants to do something today. And so what are you focused on today? So I think, I look at Paul's life, and yes, the, the moment was tough. But in the moment, as he has fixed his eyes on Jesus, he could walk through that moment. Because he knew who was not only in his tomorrow, but who he had that day. 
And so I truly believe that joy is a focus before it is a feeling. But I go back to what I said at the very beginning and maybe joy is hard to come by right now. And so I'm praying this week, God, help us to see the life that you want us to focus on. God, help us to see that we can't avoid the harshness and the hard moments of life, but we can walk through them filled with joy. It's been done before. It can be done again. And I'm reminded of David's words. And they're encouraging. David writes in Psalm chapter 30, verse 5, he says, Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And this is something I believe we can hold on to. When our focus is fixed on Jesus, I think we can live in the hope of the joy in the morning. When we don't look around, we don't look behind, we don't look forward, we only look to him. I think when we look to him, this is where joy can be made complete in us. And we can truly say that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So if you're asked the question, are you filled with joy right now? At this moment in your life, where's the joy factor for you? How would you answer? If I said, where's your focus this morning and is it producing joy or is your joy being stolen? We have to remember that our circumstances matter, but they don't dictate. So how is your joy this morning? Because the joy that Jesus wants to give us says it, it wants to complete us. We can find that deeper move of God, move of the Holy Spirit, that joy can truly be produced. And maybe there's something so heavy on you that it's stolen. Maybe you have been looking around. Maybe you're stuck in the past. Maybe you're so consumed of what will be, you forget what is. And so I wanna offer you this morning, as we finish in worship, Maybe you want to like leave behind this morning the thing that has stolen your joy and you want to shift your focus. As we end in worship today, I'm going to say you can do this in your seat or you can come forward this morning and go, God, I want to bring you something. And this something has been stealing the joy that you want to give me and I want to leave it at the altar and I want to go back and live in the joy that you want to give me in life. Listen, there's nothing wrong with pursuing joy. The problem is it's not found in you. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of God. And so that's what I'm going to offer you this morning. You don't have to leave this morning and not leave that thing behind. Heavenly Father, God, I ask you this morning for your joy to be made complete in us. 
Paul says this is a fruit of your spirit. Paul says this can be obtained. And God, he was a man who went through all kinds of hardships. He went through all kinds of messes in life and he still could sing to you. He still could pray to you. He still could spend time with you. He still could be rejoicing always. And so God, why can't we? Because you are the same God then as you are today. So I ask that you would change our posture this morning. As we end in worship, will you replace angst? Will you replace anger? Will you replace fear? Will you replace frustration? Will you replace all these negative emotions and replace them with your joy. And God, if there is someone in this room or someone online watching this morning that needs to give you something today, I pray that we would do that. I pray we would trade this feeling that we have, this emptiness that we have, this negative emotion we have for the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. And so we give you that today, God, and I pray you'd speak to your people. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.